0: Chickens in our small yard. I came on board in 88, became the director of research, and uh, back in those days, I was very, very heavily involved in mutilation research. Mm-hmm. Um, as a police officer, I investigated two cattle mutilations back in the very early 80s, and that kind of led me into a very, very weird direction uh, that was quite well-known. At the time, from about eighty-nine to about ninety-four, uh, I stumbled over several cases of what appeared to be human. And uh, believe me, that was uh, that was a tough nut to crack, and I never did. But uh, that really gave my my uh, launch into the UFO field. Now. For about 20 years, I was the director of research. I started broadcasting back in 1991. As a matter of fact, I was doing, and this is a little known fact, but was doing UFOs before Art Bell was doing UFOs. Art was still doing satellite radio and political talk back in those days. But uh, when he uh, began coast, what became Coast to Coast, of course, he took off. Like a skyrocket, I was on another network called the Cable Radio Network. But over the years, I've done uh, four different shows. This particular show that I'm doing, Dark Matters, I started back in 2004. It's carried on the Cyber Station USA network out of Boston, Massachusetts. It airs Monday through Friday, Joe, uh, from 10 p.m. Pacific time until midnight, and uh People can find it to www.dqrm.com. That's Delta Quebec Romeo Mike. DQRM.com. Yeah, I was going to check
1: it out. Uh, Mm Um,. I've heard, he was, I've heard Don on several occasions, on several shows over the years. Um, it's, you know, you do, i got to say, you get a unique hosting style. You're not like what I call the, the pod blog or the uh, group over there. What's that group where they all get together? Oh, hell, I forgot the name on it now. Uh, where they've got umpteen million radio shows and no one has any talent at all. Um, I just it's, it's hard because, you know, when I got into this, you got into it before I did, so you know this even better than I do, but when I got into radio, um, uh, there wasn't all that many Internet radio shows or, for that matter, uh, even uh, any, any kind of shows. And a lot of the stuff we were talking about, with the exception of a few like yours and Art Bell and a few others that were out there, there wasn't any. Now, all of a sudden, now, like in the last three years, it's like just, there's so many of them, you don't even know what to look at
0: anymore. It's uh, just it's, like a flood. it's flooded. It's a result of the computer evolution. Anybody can do it these days, a podcast. But when I was, uh, when I was first starting out... I interviewed everyone, Academy Award-winning film producers to U.S. congressmen, assistant secretaries of defense, astronauts, uh, you know, right across the line, and of course, everybody that was uh, anyone in the UFO field. Uh, many people that today are no longer with us, people like John Keel, people like Richard Hall uh, you know, guys that uh, basically made their their mark in the UFO field going back to the fifties, sixties and seventies. So it it's been uh, it's been a hell of a ride to be real honest with you.
1: I can imagine it is, and I'm from my own personal experience I know it can be some up and down crap going on in, in this field. By the way, while I'm thinking of this, since we are going live over effing, let's turn on the magic box. <laughs> That's just so Don and I don't get any big fines, guys, that's all. Um, you know, it has been. I've got to say it's been an interesting. No, let me ask you this while I'm thinking about this, because people ask me this all the time. And, and don't put yourself on the spot by any means, but
0: top five interviews, what do you think? Because you've done a lot of interviews. What do you think they are? Well, uh, Robert Wise, uh, Academy uh, Award-winning film director, uh, who, who did, Like uh, the very first Star Trek film, uh, the motion picture, Star Trek, the motion picture, the sand pebbles with Steve McQueen, the Andromeda Strain, uh, that was one of them. Uh, Another one that I've had many, many people in my audience tell me was one of the greatest radio interviews they ever heard in their life. Uh, As a matter of fact, took place right about this time of the year, Back in 1995, I interviewed a guy out of Houston, Texas, by the name of Vito Sicari, who was a petrochemical engineer in uh, the petrochemical industry. He and another guy in 1979 went on what turned out to be a three-week odyssey. A three-week odyssey in NASA trying to get in to see, quote-unquote, our moon pictures now that that is uh fodder for a complete show in itself joe but that, that, <laughs> i bet it is <laughs> That that was uh was a, a really memorable one uh adults whom i'm sure you know from the a-team howling mad murdoch and star trek uh the next generation he played lieutenant barkley and I were very close friends for a long time. He uh, often co-hosted uh, with me in my original radio program, uh, UFOs Tonight, but uh, uh, the very first interview I did with Dwight uh, when we first met back in about 1994, uh, Congressman Stephen Schiff who was the guy that uh, charged up the GAO to go after the Air Force to find out what happened to the Roswell uh, Army Air Corps files from 1947. That was one tremendous uh, program. Um, and, you know, uh, John Keel, whom, of course, is, is legendary in the annals of uh, paranormal and UFO research, uh, I knew John for uh, many years. Uh, he was somebody that I, uh, although we often disagreed on his conclusions on various things, he was somebody I had the utmost respect for. Uh, I mean, that that's just off the top of my head, but you're right. I've, I've interviewed hundreds and hundreds of people, uh, perhaps close to a thousand over the years, and uh, those were some that immediately came to memory.
1: Well, those all sound like great shows, though. They really do. Um, Actually, you know, I was thinking when you were talking about Lieutenant Barkley. Okay, guys, I shouldn't have called him that. But anyway, um, that had to be interesting in in itself, just guest hosting, I mean, co-hosting with him. Uh, He he just looks like he... partly insane it, uh, at least it's the way it comes off on screen i've never met him personally so i don't know but it, it just has that like okay I, i'm just kind of
0: nuts <laughs> i love people uh, no no that that proves what a hell of an actor he is well, that's good uh you know we we were uh we were close for oh i don't know uh going on to 15 years uh now one thing about the white that uh uh, although I have very strong feelings myself on the topic of politics, he wanted to do more and more politics, and you know that's something that that might touch on occasionally. Yeah. But you know, my my beat is the weird, it's the bizarre, it's uh, those things that, as a rule, run under the radar. Uh, I'll give you an example. In 1994, not long after we met, he and I went down to Roswell, New Mexico. I was uh, working on spec for a TV show out here in Los Angeles. And uh, they wanted me to take a look at some footage a guy down in, in Roswell had shot. And uh, I told Dwight about it. And he said, well, do you mind if I go along? I'd like to tag along. And I said, yeah, Sure. And we got down there, and lo and behold, at the time, there were two UFO museums down in Roswell. And the one that uh, we stopped in both of them, but the second one is no longer in service, but a guy by the name of John Price uh, was running it. And uh, we literally stumbled over an old fellow, an elderly man that was up from Texas, who had been originally an Army Air Corps member at the 502, at the time of the Roswell event. Nobody had ever identified this guy before. And we ended up later on, and that in itself was one long story, but we ended up later going down to Texas to see him and... Uh, That was uh, one of those strange, quirky things that in this field, you never know what's going to pop up next, but it just so happened that this guy was another first-hand witness claiming that he not only saw the debris and the wreck, but also bodies from the event. So, you know, it's one of those strange things, and, and I've had a lot of them happen to me over the years, but that was very memorable. Well,
1: I can imagine it was. I mean, anybody like that's going to be memorable. It's, it's it's such a strange thing when you're messing around in this field, whether it's in radio or active in the field, which we do both. But, uh, you know, a lot of people do one or the other. They're either in the field or they're in the radio. We just happen to be in both the field and the radio. It is weird what you stumble across. Uh, you know, a lot of people tell me, oh, because you're, it, your, you're supposed to. I don't know if that's true or not. Uh, but I got to say, man, it's, I've run across a lot of weird stuff in my time. And, and information, even still today, I won't talk about on the air. I'll be honest with you because I don't know what the repercussions would be. So I'm like, right no, I'm not even going to go there. Uh, but just meeting someone who was at Roswell itself is, you know, especially. Uh, We've got to be getting close now. What do you think, Don? Another 10, 20 years, there won't be anybody left to talk about Roswell,
0: huh? No, it's, it's practically, they're all practically gone now
1: yeah I, I was i, I was thinking yeah, maybe 10 years there won't be anybody you know while we're on roswell what did you think about dody's um affidavit or whatever the hell they called it uh yeah affidavit well you know when he um i, I found that to be suspicious and that's why i was asked i don't know if you'd ever read it or not when they said uh you well, talking it, about richard dody yeah yeah Les, no. I'm talking. Is that who it is, Richard Dirty? No, wait. Hold on. Let me think before going further. It's um, what's her name's dad from the UFO museum? Oh, I can't think of his name now. Damn, it'll come back to me in a minute. It's um, it might, maybe it is Richard Dirty. I don't know. Maybe. It'll be, oh no, no, it, oh. no, no. It's it, whoever it was. He's very famous in the field. For somebody,
0: Walter Haupt.
1: Uh, hold on, I don't know.
0: Who was the press officer at the 509th? Is that the guy you're talking about? Is that
1: who? Oh, well, it was Holt. Yes, it was the Holt affidavit. Yeah, now that you said it, it actually poofed into my head. And that in the room's throwing it at me now. I see too. Yeah, it was Holt. I wanted to ask you what you thought about it because I, I found it. i got to be honest. I, it just felt suspicious to me. And, and and I'll tell you why before I let you answer. I had uh, talked with Dennis Balthaser and um, another gentleman just before that. And uh, Dennis had told me they had been there... It was about two years earlier on an investigation between Dennis's and was Roswell. And um, they said when they got there, he really didn't even know who he was. So, you know, he was, they, well, even they were kind of curious how the hell did he fill out an affidavit uh, when he didn't even know his name two years earlier than that. You know, so I didn't know how true that was at the time. You know, I did trust Dennis's opinion because he's a good guy. I've been knowing him for a while. And, and he's never steered any other BS before, so... I said, you know, I'll check it out, and I talked to a few other people that had, had seen him uh, not much, I guess probably a year before the After, and they basically said the same thing. So I was kind of curious. That's why I wanted to ask you, because know, you're, you're fairly familiar with Roswell. Maybe you heard something.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, I, I met Harry. He died. Uh, but before I even go there, sure. you you said something that uh, popped up in my mind, and uh, i got to tell you, Joe, This is uh, something that has bothered me for a long time, okay? Basically, are you aware that uh, in the uh, very, very first weeks of 2007, I bailed out of active UFO research? No, actually, I didn't, but go ahead. Well, I I wrote a, a, a paper. Uh, called and you can find it online it's called my 20 years in the ufo fog okay
1: oh wait no i think i did go ahead They are finished go ahead no i think i did but go ahead anyway
0: yeah and and one of the things that that i you know and i was basically when i wrote that i was venting and the reason i was venting was after all those years and years of dealing with uh people that didn't have a clue, couldn't buy a vial, but yet they were so certain of their position. It, it kind of teed me off. I can understand. And one the things that, that teed me off is that people will jump into this field, get behind a keyboard, and suddenly call themselves a UFO researcher or a paranormal researcher. And they've never done as much as five minutes of research on anything in the field. Before I got involved in this field, and I made a conscious decision that I was going to do that because of a number of reasons, but I conducted by myself and for my own purposes an intensive about six months researching this field before I ever got involved in it publicly. And I'm talking about haunting. At the time, of course, the Internet wasn't around like it is now. Haunting bookstores, libraries, book uh, shops, used bookstores, and I gathered together and read a huge, extensive collection of stuff going all the way back to the fifties. Now, for example, one of the, in in my humble opinion, one of the greatest researchers on this topic ever was Major Don Kehoe. Yes. Um, every book that man ever wrote, and every article I could lay my hands on, uh, he was—he was, he was just—he was five star. That guy, and uh, you know, like so many people, like Dick Hall, for example, who when when Keyhole was running NICAP, Richard Hall was his administrative assistant. Dick died still pursuing whatever truths could be found in this field and he died basically broke, okay, oh, like is, so many people in this field have, yep. but he was a real honest-to-God researcher, and a lot of these kids today, you know, couldn't tie his damn shoelaces. Well, but that's the thing,
1: just NICAP, half the audience, listening audience tonight probably doesn't even know who NICAP was. Uh, the prelude to move on is the best way to describe it, but uh Actually, no, that wasn't fair to me. I'm sorry. I'll take that back. <laughs> anyway, uh, it, it, at least they well, were doing
0: You know, it's way. like this. It's like this. If, if, if you're going to do something, now this is me, okay? If you're going to do something, then by God, try to do it to the absolute best of your ability to do it. If you're going to get involved in this and you want to call yourself a UFO investigator, then by God you've got to investigate, you've got to research, you've got to dig. And it means more than sitting behind a keyboard. You've got to get out there in the field and you gotta, you know, you gotta get out there and, and work up some sweat. That's just the only way to do it. And because it's something online or you read something on the net, that, that's one of the biggest tripwires of the whole computer age today. Because probably 80% of everything you read on the, on the web, is you know, is an excellent chance that it's crap.
1: It, it's more than an excellent chance. It's garbage. I'd have to say, uh, if we'll use ufology, but if you were to really get down and, and see what kind of evidence there was for anything on the net dealing with ufology, it'd be probably 90%, percent absolute and total garbage. And, and, you know, it's one of the things I tell people when they get in this field. I said, just... Put on your hip waiters and no, You're going to wade through a whole crap of, uh, of garbage. And I tell people, find a veteran researcher in the field that can at least point you in the right direction. You don't have to follow them. You don't even have to believe them. Just get them to the point you in the, in the right direction, you know, towards some good, honest material, some good, solid researchers. Uh, and then it really depends what they're looking for because you know as well as I do, nowadays you've got ufology, abduction research, experience. There's a whole realm of paranormal shit that goes on as well. Um, so it, it all kind of overlaps and bleeds into each other now. It's not even one that you know, it, it's just a nightmare, That's what it is. And if you're new and something, you've had some kind of experience and you type in, I saw a UFO, shit, you'll spend weeks going through, God knows what. I don't even want to look anymore because I know everybody in the field, so I don't even bother. I just call somebody. But, um,. I, I could not have to imagine to get into this field in 2012 and try to start from scratch on the Internet.
0: Are you, are you? Well, I'll give, you, I'll give you an example. Back in 81, 82, I investigated a couple of cattle mutilations uh, as, as a lead investigator. And incidentally, those cases were never solved. My department... I'll solve them for you. He ended up wanting to shove them under the rug and move on, which is, in essence, what happened. But an
1: actual oh, question for you. I hate to interrupt you, but I've got to ask this question, because we, we've done a, a few cattle mutilations of the year, probably about 50 or 60 of I them. Mean, I wanted to ask you something, cause to go on, especially since it was 1981. Um, did you know if the ranchers had insurance or not on their cows? It's, a, it's an important question to me, because we found that about 85% of the ranchers that we talked to had insurance no okay go ahead i'm sorry i, didn't, I just wanted to add that to my stat file that's all uh
0: no for my memory no the guy the guy did not that's good but but here here was the thing the cows were okay and that always stuck in my craw. what the hell could do that yeah or, or what now with that being said uh, a few years later, I was back east, visiting family uh, back on the east coast, and uh, my sister and her husband, who was a, uh, a corpsman, <laughs> excuse me, a Navy corpsman attached to the Marine Corps, as a matter of fact, out here at 29 Palms, were also, uh, they were on leave, and he was on leave, and they were back east we were sitting around the table one night just chit-chatting and i happened to mention this cattle mutilation case and uh Tim looked at me and he said hey he said have you ever heard of the highgate vampire case and it didn't even ring a yeah I, I said no what what's that well he told me he said look he said and i forget day. honest to god i forget now where he had heard about it from But he said supposedly around 69 or 70, there were some guys over at this cemetery in London, and they stumbled over this one tomb, and it had like four coffins in it, but there were only three bodies that were supposed to be buried there. And he gave me the story, okay? And it was kind of interesting, but of course at the time there was no way to check it out online. And uh, I tucked it away, and years later... Uh, I was doing, so. as a matter of fact, I was starting to do some research for a novel that I ended up writing that was published in 2004, and it was a horror novel called Past Sins, and uh, this, this novel, uh, when I was researching it, I remembered this supposed case. So I began doing some online research, because by now, and we're talking mid to later 90s, I mean, the net was up and running. You could could find a lot of stuff on it. And as I did more and more research, I became more and more intrigued. Now, I have a very good friend who's in the UK who's a very well-known paranormal investigator by the name of John Spencer. And at the time, he was uh, still married to his wife. They were actually an investigative team. And uh, I contacted John, and I asked him if he had any information about this. And uh, he had heard of it, of course, but he he didn't know that much about it. So I said, look. And I gave him the name of of the principals that were involved in this case. And I said, I'd like to interview this this guy. And uh, could you put me in touch? So he said he'd see what he could do. Well, about a week later, he called me back. And he said, uh, well, Don, he said, I talked to these guys, but uh, they don't want to have anything to do with you. Hmm. Oh, really? Well, okay. And I, that kind of hit me. You know, it's, like, it's not like my name is unknown. I mean, if you put my name into Google, I mean, you're going to come up with all kinds of stuff, both good and bad. And uh, I thought, well, that's, that's kind of uh, unusual. So I continued away, and as I was writing my novel, and I was getting more and more involved in that, this thing started eating at me. So I went back, and I did a little more research, and I found out that this one guy, his name is Sean Manchester, had written a couple of books on it. And I thought, wow, okay, well, let me see if I can find them. Well, I couldn't find them anywhere here in the States. So I ended up, ordering them from the UK. And they got back to me and as soon as I read this book, actually there were two of them. One was called The Vampire Hunter's Handbook, and the other one was called The Highgate Vampire. Suddenly I, you know, I put on my top hat and I thought, uh huh, this guy is a bullshitter extraordinaire. Now I know why he didn't want to talk to me. So I contacted his nemesis, if you will, and what I was trying to find out in this book that he had written—that this one so-called victim of the vampire ended up dying. This was all being touted as absolutely real, and uh, but he was using a pseudonym, okay. So I, I wanted to find out what this uh, gal's name was, and uh, the second guy, a guy by the name of David Ferrant, actually I stumbled over him on a uh, broadcast that he had been a guest on, actually they both had at different times, called, uh, I think it was called The World Unexplained or something like that, but I got both those podcasts and listened to them, and Ferrant identified this gal's name, her actual name. So I immediately called up my pal in the UK and I said, uh, this is a cemetery she's supposedly buried at. Could you check it out for me, John? Because I'm in the, I'm in Los Angeles, right? You're in London. So uh, what, what can you do? So he got back to me a few days later and said, well, they don't have any record of her. Okay. So... Then I really got involved in researching this from here. And I ended up calling up people uh, all around the UK and here us and interviewing them. Finally, I discovered what the real story was. This guy was a BS artist of the first uh, order, and uh, this gal... That uh, he had written about originally was a girlfriend of his that ended up causing his first marriage to implode, and uh, the whole thing was uh, was just total nonsense. But here was the other thing: this guy would start stalking people via the web. Oh, Lord! Had questions about this case, and they tried it with me. And, you know, that's when it pissed me off, to tell you the truth. And I ended up writing a couple of papers uh, that uh, kind of blew up this whole thing and did a couple of radio shows on it, which are actually rather hilarious to listen to. I mean, I don't want to go into a lot of the crap that, that I uncovered here, but uh, uh, if you're interested, uh, up on the Duck Matters Radio website archive page, those shows are available for download. And incidentally, all those shows are free downloads. Which is nice, by the way. Uh,
1: so many people charge for their archives. Now, we give ours away for free, too. But most, I'm surprised how many people charge. But go ahead, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, no, no. That, that was basically it there. Your turn. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You know, so I love you and stuff like that. To me, that, that's what all this is about. That's why we do these radio shows, that's why we get involved with this um people people i how can i say this politely for the listening audience um a lot of days just they they want a bunch of this it's like the reality tv shows uh if you give them real information you scare them you give them bullshit they seem to be happy i can't quite this audience isn't isn't like this this my audience is actually quite vicious <laughs> you start slinging bullshit they start writing in, calling and what excuse me what did you just say uh it's like some nights you know i get on Mufon's ass from time to time and, uh, you know, just just for purity, because I was a member for 10 years, so I got the right to write the hate on him if I want. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I'll get a call, and I'll call in, Joe, oh. now you know, Mufon's the kid, man. <laughs> oh. of, course, of course, that'll lead into a 20 minute debate on, yeah, okay, what are you smoking tonight? But, uh, it's, it's not, but I enjoy it.
0: Well, of speaking of MUFON, I at one point was a state section director back in uh, 88, I believe it was.
1: Yeah, I was a senior field investigator, and Lindell was a research specialist. Well, um, I. I at the well, time, you, wait, wait, you worked for Walt then, right? Walt Andrews. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's who we worked for. I left after
0: uh, You Know Who Came. But anyway, go ahead. <laughs> well, Ralph, Ralph, Walt and I had an episode. Uh, In 1989, now, if you remember at the very beginning of the show, I said that I was known for my mutilation investigations, right? Mm -hmm. In 1989, this is when Bill Moore admitted before a packed house in Las Vegas, Nevada, at the MUFON Symposium, that he had worked hand-in-glove with military intelligence and, among other things, disinformed Paul Benowitz do you know about that episode actually i do i think i remember it but go ahead well at the time john lear was the state director for mufon oh yeah i remember that too go ahead and lear called me up and said hey would you like to uh, present a paper at mufon on your mutilation research and i said well yeah i said i think that'd be great fine okay so he invited me and there were several other names today that are infamous in the annals of UFO history. There was Lear, myself, a guy by the name of Bill English, another guy by the name of Bill Cooper. Now Cooper uh was a story all unto himself. He died in a shootout with the police back in two thousand and one. Okay. Does that name strike
1: a bell with you? some reason it does, but I don't know why. Just when you said it, it did. But I'm still drawing
0: a blank. Okay. Well, at any rate, with that being said, so I go go down to Mufon, and I'm checking into the hotel, and lo and behold, there's Walt Andrus walking up Oh, I love Walt. And uh, he looked at me, and he said, "Uh, you're Don Ecker, huh? I said, yeah. He said, well, he said, uh, I want you to know something. Oh, shit. He said, John Lear invited you to speak, right? And I said, uh, yeah, he did. He said, well, know this, that if you speak at the MUFON Symposium, you'll never speak at another MUFON Symposium ever again in your life. <laughs> it's <laughs> <absolutely> well. <laughs> Okay, well, Thanks. That I do? Well, you're damn right I spoke. I mean, I don't, <laughs> I don't like being, you know, somebody pushing me around. Yeah,
1: Walt well, was like that, too, man. He's a no-bullshit kind of guy, but go ahead. Keep an yep.
0: Walk and kiss my ass, <laughs> not like that. <laughs> so, anyway, yeah, so uh, that was the last time I was ever invited to speak at MUFON. Well, I'm nev- I don't ever get invited to speak. When I, when I was working with
1: them, they loved me to death, by the way. But when they became the black hole of frickin' Calcutta, of course, I became the black sheep of the family. They just didn't realize how many of their members were going to leave <laughs> with me. You know, I, I'd, well, I'd been with them 10 years. I had a lot of friends. I'd been in the field a while. I'd been, you know, working hard. And then all of a sudden I got a little radio show and it started taking off. And uh, I really did. I got tired of it. I, I got tired of it. I would send something in. And this is exactly how it went. We would do some research. I would send something in late a week, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, three months. I'm like, well, screw this. Uh, it was like, it got to the point where I just got tired of just sending shit in, so we just quit. And anytime we would and then, Linda and I had an experience in golf breeds uh, that the word military came up in, because there seemed to be somebody out there that looked like they were the military. Fawn, come, un effing group. You would have thought I dropped the holy black plague on their ass. I should say Linda did, because she's the one who wrote to him about that part. And, uh, I mean, th- it was like we had, we were instantly like the black sheep. Get the hell away from us. Stay away from us. I'm like, what the hell's up with y'all? And then all of a sudden, here comes Mr. I worked for the black ops community for 20 years, John Slusha. So I was like, well, and then since then, every director they've had has had some kind of. Entanglement with except the last guy has said some kind of entanglement with black ops. Um, they're, they're an infiltrated organization these days, and that's what they are, or whatever the hell you want to call it. Well, you know like, how fun got going, right?
0: Uh, barely. I,
1: well, I've heard a couple of stories actually. Well,
0: I'll tell you the real story. How would you like the real story? I would like that. Walt Andrus was originally a part of APRO, the Aerial Phenomena Research Organization, right? in Jim and Carl Lorenzen. And back about 1973, Walt dipped into their files, got a hell of a lot of the members, okay, walked off with them and started MUFON. All right? Carl Lorenzen, until the day that she died, and she was quite a tough old gal, let me tell you what. Carl would not have pissed on Walt if he self-combusted in front of her that was just how it was that's how she felt about it and she never forgave him for what he did and that's a little known fact that a lot of people don't like to talk about but they don't there it is no, that, that's
1: that's you know that's how it goes but you see my thing for walt is walt got me into the field it was because of him i got into the field now what i learned about Mufon on later on was that it was of course a wholeheartedly disappointment but he's actually so i always give him credit for getting me into the field it's just, uh, man. It's the whole thing. Just I don't know what happened. Uh, they seemed they've been doing some research, and then what was it about? I pissed one of them off. I think it was John Slusser. He was on the show. I had him on the show two or three times, and I, I just bluntly asked him, when you going to, you know, give us some information or give us some conclusion that after 33 years of research? What the hell y'all thinks going on?" And uh, he made some comments on some show about armchair in which, of course, I knew who he was directed at because he had just been on the show like a week earlier. <laughs> and uh, so he was making comments about And he goes off and he says, um, well, we know UFOs are real. That's their conclusions after 33 years. I like to flip out of my chair. I was so I was, I was between the laughing and being pissed. I didn't know which one I was because I was laughing so hard, but then I was so pissed at the same time. I was like, <laughs> you've got to be kidding me, man. And I just, after that, I pretty much didn't have anything to do with them anymore. Other than, I mean, I do still have friends over there. So I, I hate to be mean to them uh, because I do have friends over there. But we have a much larger organization these days with a lot more people and a much larger reach. And, um... <sighs> And actually, a good chunk of them are ex MUFON members, or a lot of them are still MUFON members. Um, probably the five or six thousand members of MUFON lost are probably sitting with us, and probably half their membership today is members here. Um, it's just, and we don't do UFO research. I gotta be honest with you, Don. I don't chase UFOs, unless one, like the night the one that they put on Sci-Fi that I got. You know, okay, this is for me chasing the UFO. Lynn and I on the Gulf Coast, you Now we, you know, we're, we're investigators, so we're always keeping an eye on weird shit in the sky. And I seen something that seemed to be just sitting over the Gulf of Mexico, just sitting there. And I was like, what the hell? So I got out the camera and started videotaping. I'm videotaping now for like 12 minutes, and it's still sitting there. So I zoom in real well, get a good shot of it, watch it some more, zoom it back out, zoom it back in so you could see... You know, the cloud deck that day was at about 50, this and, and this is the difference between research and not. The cloud we called, the cloud deck was at about 5,500 feet that day, so we knew right where the cloud deck was. We knew where the arc, because we were looking out at the Gulf of Mexico, we knew where the arc started at. So we knew where this thing was sitting. It was sitting at around, around 2,500 feet uh, between the ocean and, and the cloud deck. It was sitting right there, nice and pretty. Uh, being that I was using a 78-time zooms, uh, they estimate this object probably two to 300 feet. Across, uh, probably fairly thick because I mean you could zoom in on it and when you got in on it you knew it was fairly large when you, when you started to zoom in um, it sat there for another 10-15 minutes I'm videotaping 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 and poof as easily as it emerged it disappeared Sci-Fi picked it up I put it up on one of my Facebook pages and Sci-Fi picked it up and played it and it is a great clip of video and it's well researched you know I had uh, I got Airport Monitor 2 installed on my computers which gives me 80-mile radius of all air traffic in live mode, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, of the city of New Orleans. I was 60 miles outside of New Orleans, so I turned it on. There was no air traffic there at all. We saved the page, even though you can go back up to two years on an airport monitor. We saved the page so everybody could see it. We uploaded J-Track, and I uh, tracked to make sure there was no satellites in the area. Uh, black, so now you can't say there's satellites. Called uh, Eglin Air Force Base. They said they had nothing in the sky. Talked to the CB base. They had said they had nothing in the sky. Talked to Gulfport International, said they had nothing in the sky. So we ruled out, We even talked to Pensacola Naval Air Station and Pensacola Airport along with Mobile. All of them said there was nothing in that vicinity flying at that time of the day. Period. So we ruled out every possibility it could be, took the videotape, and let everyone else take a look at it and see what it was. By the way, it's a UFO. Unidentified flying object because I have no idea what it was. To the person who just asked me if it was an alien, I don't know. All I can tell you Why? is, is not, it was a UFO.
0: That's the acronym that the Air Force originally put on it. Uh, And it probably still today is the best description of an unknown. But, uh, you know, over the years, it's kind of transmogrified into UFO means spaceship.
1: And that's what it has. Anytime you say the word UFO, especially around normal media, oh, you're talking about flying spaceships. No, I'm talking about UFOs. Well, that's aliens. No, it's UFOs. <laughs> and, uh, and they're like, well, what's the difference? I said, do you know what the acronym means? Well, it means aliens. No, it means unidentified flying objects. Now, and I tell this all the time, I said, there's no moron alive today on this planet that can identify everything flying in the sky at any given moment of any given day. I said, hence we have the word, I mean, the acronym, U- unidentified flying objects. And I said, that's what it stands for. That's what it's for. I said, not every UFO is an alien aircraft. I said, not every UFO is even an aircraft, for that matter. <laughs> I mean, God, I can't tell you how many times Venus gets called in as a UFO, even today.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and you know, that, that sounds ridiculous. Well, how could you misidentify the planet Venus?
1: Oh, God, and it's so easy.
0: Oh, yeah, it's real easy. Real easy.
1: Yeah, there's been a couple of times when I've been out early morning and catch that, that Venus on the horizon. And I'm like, what the hell? And then I'll realize when I see it. Because, you know, Venus has got this kind of sparkly, it looks like it's strobing and flashing as yep. it lies in her setting. And if you're not paying attention, it's easy, especially if you're using a camera because it's so far away. You're
0: just, oh, look, look, look.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> it, it, it'll prick you in a heartbeat.
1: Yeah, and I don't want to laugh at people because, I mean, I, I, you know when I was young and got in this field, I would have had no idea. I've just been doing this a long time, but I've also got degrees in advanced avionics, advanced electronics, aircraft uh, recognition, uh, so I can cheat a little bit. <laughs> I also know who to call and what programs to be running you know, to see if I can track or find something. Uh, all those programs I was talking about, just by the way, JTRAC, which uh, I don't think is back up yet, but NASA's rebuilding it. They're going to put it back up. That tracks all 7,700, 7,800 satellites in the sky, it gives you real-time oil so you can know where it is. But satellites are pretty easy to tell, by the way, because of the arc. But um, uh, Airport Monitor 2 gives you live-time tracking in, I think, 12 major airports. There's another program out there that gives you five-minute delay tracking in about another 20 major airports. So it is these days you can find out what is flying in the sky. Now, there is another program out there that tracks everything flying in real-time across the United States, but it's about $3,500. Uh, if you want to go and buy but it does track in live time. You know, Don, this is for another show, but I've always wondered how they get away with broadcasting this in live time. I mean, this is like a terrorist, you know, category or something.
0: Yeah, you'd think so, wouldn't you?
1: You, you would. And, and at first I didn't think, oh, no, it's got to be delayed. It's got to be delayed. It's got to be delayed. I called uh, Moise and or uh, uh, New Orleans International and said, "I oh, know it's live. It's tracking in real time. I'm like, Really? I was just stunned. I'm still stunned, to be honest with you. And I've been having the program for, I don't know, half a dozen years or so now. Uh, but it's great. It's called Airport Monitor 2, ladies and gentlemen. You can get it for free. It doesn't, they don't even charge for it. I know LAX is on it. I think one of New York's airports on it. Uh, there's a few others in that. And then the other one is actually on my uh, main Joe page on Facebook. The other one's listed there. And they're both free, by the way. So check them out. Put them on your laptop. Put them on your pad. Everybody's got a pad these days. Put it on your damn cell phone, for that matter. Uh, but now, when you're when you see something flying in the sky, you can go, Ch-ch-ch-ch. wow. Eight forty five p.m. I'm within fifty miles of the airport. Nothing showing up on radar. Wow. And,
0: yeah, that's that's uh, especially out here now where my wife and I live. We're on a flight path that leads directly into Burbank. Oh, Lord. And uh, you know they're all the time they're uh, uh, they're super busy yeah they're they're coming in all the time so yeah that that might be uh that must be ticket
1: it is it's a great program um i think it overlaps burbank by the way so you can probably use it up there uh or i should say over there but um it's a great little program i mean like i said there is another one that that uh one of our ex-directors sent us uh the other day it's got a five minute delay but it's still a good little program you know it does have a five minute delay but it's still good. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to UFO on the Cover. I hope you all enjoyed the first hour. Sorry about that we'd miss up. I know half of our listeners could hear us, but the other half couldn't. Uh, and I wanted to make sure that the archive wasn't going to miss anything, so we just went ahead and took a little early break there. Uh, we'll make up for any overage time that we did. Uh, actually, Don and I, at the break, were talking about the hills and some other cases. Actually, quite a few things, to be honest with you. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, everyone, we're, welcome back. Don Ecker, Dark Matters Radio. When, when, well, you know, I wanted to ask you that at the beginning of the show and I forgot What year was it that you switched over to Dark Matters? Because, you know, for some reason I'm thinking Dark Matters has had like two lives or something.
0: Well, yeah, it did. Okay, that's Um, making sure. Yeah, it it did. Uh, My my first radio show that I did uh, was about five and a half years on the cable radio network uh, called UFOs Tonight. Then in the late 90s... uh, I started a five night a week show, three hours a night, called Strange Days, D A Z E. And that was on the Liberty Works radio network and that lasted until they went bankrupt. (laughs) Well that happens. And uh we had we had some we had some really some good, exciting radio, but it was not quite a year. And then in two thousand and four Uh, I started DMR uh, with Dwight Schultz, and we did it for a year uh, on satellite radio, and probably would have still been doing it for longer than that, but one night, and I'm not going to mention the guy's name, but uh, somebody that is a radio broadcaster with a very pronounced anti-Semitic, uh, you know, anti-Semitic bent, <laughs> and in many, many ways, anti-American bent. I'm, I'm a combat veteran with two tours in Vietnam, okay, and it, that just didn't hit me right, and this guy was also somewhat involved in uh, the UFO field. So uh, Schultz and I, Dwight Schultz and I, tore his ass up, <laughs> okay, on this show. Well, the next day, the guy that owned that Network called me up and said, Hey, you know that uh, guy that uh, you and Dwight Schultz were uh, ripping a new one on last night? Yeah. Well, I've been trying to get him to come on this network. (laughs) Oh, shit. (laughs) That's life in a nutshell, you know?
1: (laughs) Well, it's happened before, and I do understand that. There's been a couple of times when people have asked me to come on and co-host and. They brought on guests that wanted to meet me, and then they'll, they'll start talking, and I'm like, wait a minute, what am I listening to here? And and before and, and before I realize it, and I hate this about me, but before yeah, I started tearing them a new ass, I'm like, no, wait a minute. Now, where did you come up with this? How do you come to these? I will never understand ufology and how it jumps to conclusions. Right. It's, you know, it doesn't matter what it is—abduction research, UFO research, any of it. It's—it's it's one thing, and oh wow, it's all of this. I'm like, wait, wait, wait a minute. How did you get from point A to point Z? What the hell's in between here? Um, it, it makes me crazy, and, 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 and I see it all the time. It's just insane. But it's—it's—it's uh, it's, it's one of them things, though. Well, how was I going to say this? Uh, for some reason, I'm like, my brain is fried tonight, y'all. I don't know what's up with it. Too much work, not enough rest. Uh, too many hurricanes oh and by the way oh that's what oh too Don while I'm thinking about this I'm going to have to get you on news on the flip side with us because we can slip in a little politics there as well and to the person who just asked me that's what it made me think about that yes Stephanie I will be broadcasting this Saturday we'll be discussing some of the trade stuff which by the way Don said he did a show on last night maybe we'll get him get you a little sneak preview of that um, but we're going to do talk, a little bit talking about that and uh, we're not talking about it here Lily no no politics on this show this is for news on the flip side on Saturday nights and uh, no, no politics is not allowed on this show um, but but I have to get you on let you get on in and talk a little bit about it because uh, uh, you know all the time now I'm getting questions I get ufology questions and people like that from my Saturday night show like to send me stuff as well and uh, ask me different questions about it because this portrayal shit's out of control <laughs> this is this is insanity that's, at its finest. The general's a little private got him in trouble there, you know. That's, yeah, hey. That's, that's, you should keep a leash on them things, man. I mean, it's, personally, and I'm going to say this, and I'm going to leave this alone until next Saturday, guys. I mean, this Saturday, guys. But personally, an affair, as long as she didn't have Al Qaeda ties, I don't really see the big deal. i got to be honest with you. I don't think he should have to step down for that. Making him Secretary of State, I, don't, I mean, Secretary of Defense, I don't know. But really, uh, he's the head of the CIA. He had a little fair really come on does it i mean europeans do shit all the time does it really matter it's like when clinton i gotta be honest with y'all the only reason i was upset at bill clinton for having an affair is because it was with monica Lewinsky other than that i was okay with it <laughs> <Really>. <laughs> well yeah that's that, that fodder
0: for another night
1: oh is it boy i'm telling you what but i'll have to get you on now i'll talk with stephanie later today and i'll get her uh, well one of us will send you a message to catch you on facebook or something and set up and uh, oh to the person who just sent me that thing about stephen but yes i did see that on my facebook and uh i will have linda contact him and we will have it'll be christmas i think we're booked up until uh into the middle of the holidays or something uh, and then I've got no women coming on to do research stuff on the 28th of November because we'll catch it. Now those are good shows. Now when I mean, we actually do, we we every now and then I'll get some directors together, and it's not really a radio show. It's more like listening to like five I class directors actually doing work. <laughs> we come to it live for everybody to hear how we do things. Uh, it's very unique to, you know, it's, it's and we will let people get involved in calling and stuff, but it is really what it is. I mean we, we get together and we haven't caught up in a while, so we'll get on the air and we'll talk about what we're doing, what we're up to, what kind of research projects we run them at the time. And by the way, while one research we get, November Hansen's got the new dream study out, uh for all the conta well for anybody who wants to take it, but you know contact these would be better. Or it makes sure I mean it ask and it's a seventy five uh and by the way, Frank, thank you. All of ICAR's questionnaires, all 14 are out right now, except for the blood type study. Uh, all 14 that are out right now, all are at least 75 questions. And you want to know why? It's because when we did them at 15 or 20 questions, how can I say this politely? How about 80% of the people that took it were complete and utter morons? Uh, we found out that when they're short, a lot of unserious people take it. But when they're long, really and truly, pretty much only to say, it, it, it takes a couple of hours to fill this all out. So uh, most of the crazies just don't have what it takes. <laughs> they just let it go. Um, so it works really well for us, and we get a lot of, lot of information. You know, we've we've really launched a whole new area into this kind of research. But hey, I don't think I'll see any conclusions in my life. So, but we'll we'll keep at it. What do you think, Don? Any? You think there'll be? Oh, let's, let's just ask the question: Do you think Obama, at second term will
0: he disclose? Never, <laughs> a million years. It will never come out ever. It's <clears throat> care if it's Obama. I don't care. If it's- Whatever is the secret. Now, you know, hey, I've been dealing with, with this. This is a question I've been dealing with since uh, the 80s, and I am convinced. I mean, I'll, I'll go to my grave convinced that whatever it is, they'll fight tooth, nail, and claw and keep it under wraps. Yeah.
1: Well, that's the thing. And, and see, I got in trouble with Greer about this at one of the US conferences. He was going on about disclosure, and, and I just... I was in the audience, and I put my hand up, and I said, "Well, uh, I've got a question for you. Bassett, those
0: guys are playing with themselves. Well, well, well
1: yeah. Stephen will admit, the difference between Greer and Stephen is, Stephen says we're after disclosure. Is it going to happen in our lifetime? Probably not. But he said, if we keep plugging, they will. Greer, always, every time I ask him, oh, yeah, it's going to happen tomorrow. It's going to happen tomorrow. It's going to happen tomorrow. Really? Well, you've, like, been here since 2000, and it happened, Jen. Um, but, you know, I told him when we were there, I said, well, wait a minute. I said, let's look at this from, from their point of view, not our point of view. I said, they've got top secret technology, maybe knowledge from extraterrestrials. Uh, they're using it to do whatever. I said, I said what are you going to give them? I said, we're going to give everybody who's lied in the last 50 years. Is that what's going to happen? I said, what happens if abductions are really real and they're taking our citizens? Or we're we just going to let that slide and give the government amnesty on that? Or is all these people going to sue the crap out of the government when they found out that the aliens are real? The government will have umpteen million lawsuits. And you've not given the government anything. What is it? Why? I mean, if they come forward, then they've got to start sharing this technology with, with their allies. Their enemies will eventually get their hands on it. Um, you know, all these people are going to come forward. You're going to put all these people in jail. God knows who's been involved in this. Um, just, I just don't know how the government's going to ever be able to come forward. The best thing the government can hope for is E.T. comes and lands on the planet one day. They say, hey, we're here. Guess what? And the government, wow, look, the
0: aliens just landed. Damn. Yeah, well, you know, it's, it's one of those things that, uh, speaking of Greer, uh, every Friday on, on Dark Matters Radio, I have uh, a segment called uh, the Tracy Torme Mad Hollywood Minute. Okay, now, Tracy Torme is the guy that uh, brought uh, fire in the sky to the big screen, the Travis Walton story. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's a well-known screenwriter, producer, son of Mel Torme, the singer, the Velvet Fog. Uh, I've known Tracy for over 20 years, and uh, I approached him some time ago and said, hey, you know, you've been involved in this UFO stuff for a long time. How would you like to do a segment on DMR? And he said, yeah, I'd love it. So anyway, we've been doing that. Last Friday, he did a segment on an encounter he had with, of all people, Stephen Greer now <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry i'm sorry to me to laugh go ahead well you know I'm, I'm just telling you greer is uh he he's working in a different universe than the one up oh well
1: what got you know, i'll tell you what got me into a bed we were at a conference and uh i'm standing there I, i'm dr uh john lear and i dr lear and i were sharing a table because we were both doing uh lectures on abductions so him and i shared a table and, and Greer sitting across from us and he was hustling he, I'm listening to these people he's talking to these people he said well you know I can take you out to this park uh, out far not far from his ranch, I think in Virginia somewhere and for $2,500 you can have in a spiritual encounter with E.T. okay at this point if if I wouldn't have been asked to speak there, I would have probably been a much bigger ass than I was um, I, I was like excuse me what did you just say he said well he, he remembered me from the thing he said well Mr. Montalvo," he said uh oh, $2,500, I will guarantee you a spiritual encounter with extraterrestrials. And, and I was just kind of awestruck for a minute, and I was like, So, if I give you $2,500, I can spiritually eat meat, ET, right? He said, Yes, guarantee. I'm like, Really? I said, So now you're not only the disclosure expert, but you want to be everybody's personal guru, which, of course, I pissed him right off. And I said, well, What part of this that I didn't understand? I said, $2,500 spiritual encounter with E.T. What is that? I said, that sounds like a guru. I said, how am I going to have a spiritual encounter with E.T.? I I just personally just felt insulted. This was Dr. Stephen Greer. uh, And this was at the, I think it was the second ex-conference I ever attended. Uh, Maybe the third. The last two I spoke at, or the last, no, the one before last I spoke at. The last one I didn't, but... um, I was just floored. Well, uh, they, just they, floored. Avoid, they avoid me like uh, rabies. They do avoid me now, man. They don't even want to see me. Uh, and wait, wait, this is the best part. So, a couple of years later, somebody writes into me, they want me to get green on the show, and I'm not going to bring him on my show. And, yeah. and I'm not. So, I get a letter from one of his people <laughs> saying he would appear on my show and come speak in New Orleans for $5,000 each appearance. <laughs> I said, uh, I can't say on the air what I actually wrote back to it. I said, and what am I getting for five thousand dollars, man? I said, this better have a happy ending of something. <laughs> I'm like, dude, five thousand dollars? Like you lost your mind? But what bothers me is people actually pay this guy, and he makes good money. I mean, most people don't realize this man's taking in a hundred k a year at least. And uh, I just, it, 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 it bothers me that our fellow humans are actually that no, it shouldn't bother me now I have to watch it. What happened? But
0: you know, Pete Barnum said it best. There's one born every minute.
1: Boy, and there is too, man. Somebody asked me just the other. I had some members writing because I'm always bitching about money, and because um, we're privately funded. And they said, well, "Why don't you just charge a membership?" I said, "Why?" I said, "I'm not after y'all's money." I said, "I want y'all." I said, "You don't understand." I said, "We're trying to establish a large global base so that we can study stuff in real time across generations of families." And anything that may be being contacted or being seen or flying, anything. I said, yeah, I'll get feet on the ground. I said, charging now just limits me to who I can get. I said, we're just looking for researchers, people who want to volunteer and get involved. I said, the money part I will deal with because I put a lot of my own personal money in this like any other normal ufologist just does, which is a bad word, by the way. And um, frankly, I'm like, no, we don't need to charge. If y'all, By the way, if you all want to make a donation, feel free. You can go over to UPR Insight or the Acro site and make a donation. But... Um, we are a privately funded organization there's two reasons why. One, what sets us apart from all the rest of the UFO organizations is all ICAR members, all upper ICAR members are required to sign a non-disclosure agreement. Uh, If their investigators up, they have to sign, or actually if their researchers up, they have to sign a non-disclosure agreement because nobody's going to take one of our contactees, go write a book and become famous. It ain't going to happen. It's just not going to. Secondly, because of MUFON, I learned this and, and two other organizations actually, if you are a 5013C, at any time, the federal government can come in and go through every record you have. Because, as a matter of fact, not just them. All five oh one cs financial stuff is supposed to be made public on a quarterly basis. Um, and so that all your donors donating to your organization, anybody involved with your organization. Uh, so if they come in and they decide to audit your organization, they're going to see everything. Every piece and scrap of information you have is now susceptible to saying, no, I wasn't taking that chance. They want to audit, I call i going to have to drag our ass into court. And know, you can bet your ass I'm going to make a big old scream in the press about it. Uh, they'll be asking, well, why are you picking on an abduction organization? What the hell is that about there, Mr. Government? <laughs> so uh, that's, that's the main reasons we do it. It's, it's for protection of the people who come forward. And uh, any witnesses that come forward that have, you know, valuable information, it is for their protection. And it's also for our protection as well because we do a lot of research and we don't want someone to randomly and give But by saying that, and I will say this again, I am willing to share almost everything we have with any high-ranking government official except for names. Okay, I don't see why y'all need a name. I will disclose all the research we have, just not the names. Uh, There's no need for it. I mean, I don't mind sharing with the government. I figure they don't know much more than we do, to be honest with you. Well, that's probably the dirty little secret. Yeah, it is. And uh, I I think that's why when I hear all these, and I get so much in trouble with all of these these deep throats and these whistleblowers, and I'm thinking, really? I was in the military. They told me. uh, If I was to disclose anything that was classified, okay, they would just pick me up, Lock me in a cell, put me in bread and water until I either died or everyone on the frickin' planet forgot about me. Now, in all fairness, like when I told y'all about that night when they came to the job site, it is easy to disappear a person, like in John Mack's case. Accident, not accident, doesn't really matter. Drunk driver hitting. Do you know how easy it is to arrange a drunk driver to hit somebody when you know where they're at? The government has many ways to get rid of you, so they really want to get rid of you. They're going to, and if they think you're giving real information, information that could lead back to them, hurt them, or help us, yeah, your ass would be disappeared. It's that simple. Uh, so that's why I'm so iffy when I hear whistleblowers. I'm just thinking, no. The government's not going to allow that. They would not allow that in any other aspect of their top secret. Why would they do it in ufology? I don't get it. That's why I had so much... And then, and I don't know if you remember this, now, I remember when, uh, when Stephen Greer did, uh, what was it, 2001, the uh, May 2001 Disclosure Project? Sure. He had 40 witnesses, right? Everyone said something different. Then they tell him there's 57 different types of evidence, which is, I mean, 57 different types of aliens, which is no evidence to support it at all. And I'm like, what? It is the biggest hunk of crap I ever heard. And uh, that's why NASA, uh, nobody went after them. They were laughing their asses off. Uh, they were just totally laughing their asses off. I really do think in a lot of occasions the government just feed people from time to time just to screw with you. Or to screw with people like me and Don because we're doing research. A little piece of the puzzle. Who was that that got everybody's ass in trouble a while ago was it? That was Richard Doty. That's who that was. All right. Wasn't he the one everybody in the beginning said, oh, he's the smoking shit. And then all of a sudden everybody was like, oh, no, he
0: works for the government. No, he he was AFOSI, and uh, he was one of the big disinformers. As a matter of fact, there's been a trail that leads back to him on the whole Serpo business. <laughs> yeah, I got in trouble over that one too. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, so you know he's uh, he's somebody that uh, uh, his his information is, shall we say, to be polite, very iffy. Yeah. It's,
1: it's just, and he did harm. I mean, a lot of Linda Moulton Howe's information came from there. A lot of the researchers I know this information came from man I guys. Uh That's why, you know, I will take, I mean, we do from time to time get people to call in or come see us or hang out and tell us or this, that, or the other thing. And I say, fine, give me the information. I said, can I verify it? Well, you can verify that at work for him. I said, okay, can I talk about it? Well, yeah, but you, you can't say, how well, if I can't say I got it, I think a reason to talk about it. <laughs> it's really that simple. Uh, I, I hear stuff all the time, but I'm not going to come rant and rave on the radio about it because I can't back it up or prove it. It's a waste of my time and, and the listener's time. You know, it's just not. Some stuff is worth talking about. Some stuff we're just keeping in a burner until we can either poo-poo it or, you know, say, hey, that might be real or something along those lines. Now, I mean, you, so you're still pretty much just staying in radio these days, though, huh? You've been staying out of the field, I mean, as far as speaking and harassing people
0: well i you know i occasionally very occasionally i get asked to speak somewhere uh the last time was with a uh a local MUFON group here in los angeles uh and i went down and gave them a presentation on my lunar research but uh yeah it's uh you know it, it's it's sodom I, I think most people outside of the radio have uh forgotten who i was so you know that's fine oh i don't know about that i hear
1: your name from time to time Syl <laughs> writes in she's writing in from where are you writing in from amsterdam hey over there in amsterdam it's got to be a wee hours in the morning she just said blunt straightforward uh did we go to the moon or not absolutely <laughs> yes. yes we went to the moon i was like well you know i get in trouble over that all the time and now that we've got photographs of the landing sites you would think this with foo-foo all of this, we didn't go to the moon stuff but I guess this no matter what it's going to be a hoax somebody the other day said well that's the government our, our government no actually that was China and Japan took those pictures <laughs> it wasn't our government now NASA just recently took some pictures but you've got Russia China, Japan the United States and one other government now have pictures
0: of the landing sites oh, yeah. I just don't see Russia and China lying to <laughs> us here's, here's the other thing here's the other thing that a lot of people forget about because it's been so long ago. Back in uh, 69, 70, 71, 72, when it mm-hmm. the of the day, there was a tremendous Cold War going on with the yep. Soviet Union. Now, do you think for one second, one hot second, that the Soviet Union knew, and they would have known, of? because we no, they were tracking it. Had, oh, of course, of course. That they wouldn't have told the world that the United States is faking it. I have said that more times than I can even count
1: down. And people still are like, well, there was three light sources. Well, really? I said, I said, that's your argument? And they said, well, where are the three light sources? I said, well, there's earth light, moonlight, and then there's a light from the damn lander. Really? I'm like, oh, yeah, you didn't know there was lights on the lander? And they were like, uh, uh, I said, you got the sun. I said, and you're getting some light from there. I said, and, and depending on what time of day is, you're getting some sun coming on. You're getting some... Earthlight coming on And then you're also Getting the lights From the lander I said Did you
0: not know that lander had lights on he's No I didn't I'm like
1: Ha <laughs> Just started laughing I'm like this guy did a whole Book and movie on this I just couldn't get over that I was like Okay uh, Cause that was one of their Big things Cause there was three Light sources Oh I love the one You see the one When the kitty cat's Walking across the The moon no, I didn't think they've got, they've got uh, what's his name? Well I can't think which astronaut is. He's standing next to one of the rovers and uh, he got all the space stuff and then all of a sudden right in front of it there's a kitty cat walking across. I don't know who cropped it in Java, I gotta give him credit. I personally would never would understand why anybody thought we faked the moon landing. I mean we took what was it, 36 countries that tracked this with us? A couple of hundred thousand people worked on this project between Australia, the United States, uh, other allies. I mean, this was, this was, everybody thinks it was just an American thing. This was spread out across the planet. The U.S. couldn't track this thing by itself. Uh, we didn't have these tracking stations. So what you're, what everybody was telling me is all these amateurs, or not amateurs, but all these scientists and, and just everyday people, not military people, people who worked at different listening facilities and radar facilities, they all lied for the U.S. government. And to this day, no one's ever come forward and said so different.
0: Yeah, just, you see, that that's something else. I mean, if we would have planned to fake this, the number of people that would have had to have been in on the fix would have been astronomical.
1: Yeah. It, 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 it's, just, it, it's, it's just impossible. There's no way you're going to get that many humans and keep a secret that long. It's just not going to happen. Not for the kind of money that would have been involved if somebody would have, you know, one of the lead scientists or something like that would have came along and said, hey, this, that, or the other thing. They, um, no, actually, the Russians ain't big on tracking Santa every year. That's a U.S. thing. We track Santa. <laughs> Russians, actually, down here where I live, we, we track Pope Noel. Papa Air and his eight tiny reindeer. Okay, that's who we track. Y'all don't get me in trouble with my local <laughs> listeners now. <laughs> there ain't no Santa Claus down here, No Noel and his eight tiny reindeer. Oh, Lord, y'all give me all. And look, not only do we that, but from New Orleans all the way up past Baton Rouge, we light up the levee to guide his ass in and make sure he gets to the right place every year. <laughs> we don't want him landing in a swamp or nothing. Um, <laughs> yeah, that That's just traditional. Yeah, every, every Christmas Eve, we light up the levees and, Big, balling thighs, drunken, crazy people running up and down. Hey, it's a good time. But uh, it's a lot of fun, but that's how we do it down here. Uh, my, <laughs>
0: Friday, my Friday night co-host, Rich Saraday, is a New Orleans boy. And as a matter of fact, he's, uh, he's flying down there on Saturday to uh, be with his, uh, well, him and his wife and uh, son are flying down. Their daughter is going to uh, one of the universities down there. And uh, he's gonna meet up with uh, all his friends and family, his brothers and what have you, and have a hell of a big uh, Thanksgiving. So yeah, yeah, we uh, we we got some links to New Orleans. It's 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 an interesting place.
1: We just got New Orleans destination for the second year in a row, uh, which is good. I mean, it's good. Really, guys, I don't care if y'all tourists come down here or nah, not. It's my city. Okay, look, if y'all come down here, get drunk, and act stupid. <laughs> You know, I'm watching this girl on bourbon. She they her handcuffing her, taking away because her kids are all hanging out and she's walking along. And she says, but I thought you could do that down here. He said, only doing Mardi Gras, sweetheart. And only if you're upstairs on the damn balcony, not down here. <laughs> as he's handcuffing her, dragging her ass down the street. Uh, I'm laughing the whole time because she was drunk as a skunk. And, and yeah, you want to come get naked doing Mardi Gras, I don't care. As long as you do it in the quarter on Bourbon okay do not come to Mattary do not go to the local neighborhoods and do it because they will take you to jail just like all y'all pot smoking friends of mine out there that's cool poke it up you can smoke in a lot of places in New Orleans just don't do it where this kid's present because your ass is going to jail know it ahead of time where, and honestly I'm surprised they're even that liberal down here because I live in a damn Bible belt where you, unless it's alcohol they want to put you in jail for 10 years so <laughs> just be careful I'm warning y'all ahead of time. Well, it's got a reputation for one thing, but it ain't quite what it is when you get down here. Especially since Katrina, the city's changed a lot. We've had a lot of weird stuff going on since then. Uh, not much UFO activity, not, not much anything, really. It's been kind of scarily quiet, like we're waiting for the next shoe to drop or something.
0: Well, yeah, it, it did up in
1: Jersey and New York. Yeah, and I'm still hearing about that little wimpy storm. These people, matter of fact, I sent Ellen an old nasty letter today because she's talking about the worst storm in a hundred years. I'm thinking, sweetheart, did you forget about Katrina that covered New Orleans for eight weeks? The city was completely underwater, three million people displaced. I'm thinking, what are you on, crack? <laughs> I said, did you forget about Andrew that cut a 20-mile-wide swath across the whole state of Florida and then came to Louisiana and kicked our ass, too? Uh, I mean, what, what? Did you forget about Camille and Betsy? Uh, I mean, there are there is at, least, at least 15 major from three to five storms that CD's not even ended. It was a tropical storm, people. We, we treat that as like afternoon rainstorms here. The, the problem is here, and, and what happened to poor New York, because I've got a lot of friends in New York. I'm not hating guys. I understand how it is to get caught with your, your pants down. Uh, huh. it's, um, you know, I understand how it is to get caught with your pants down, because I do live in New York. But um, look, it was a tropical storm. Learn from it okay, start building flood protection because the planet is getting warmer and somehow or another, whoever's causing it, and the water is going to rise near New York and according to Noah, y'all are going to start seeing two or threes. Now, could you imagine a 140 mile an hour sustained wind pushing a 30-foot surge would have hit New York? Yeah. Then you would have known when a storm was, okay? You would've, there would have been nothing left. And then think about this. Think about an Andrew or Katrina before it came on show when it was a Cat 5. That's a sustained 180 miles an hour. That's a gust up over 200 miles an hour. That's a 50 to 80 foot surge. Uh, you don't want to be have no, nothing to do with any of that. So take it for what it is. If I got your little asses spanked. Build some flood protection before it happens again. I was thinking about my friend Stephanie because, you know, my co-host got her house flooded with about five foot of water if they would have a chain wall along south beach the water would have been diverted and of course she would have had no flooding in her house at all of course it'll take the pretty view of the beach away which galveston had to do um but hey when you live in places like that to do that and i know they've been warning y'all for a decade now that they're coming you know, and they say it now because of el not el nino but the other one's going to start we're going to see more storms tracking up the east coast and less in the gulf which I'm happy for me, but not for y'all. Because, um, hey, they're a pain in the ass. But, you know, that's Alan. Oh, I'm thinking 35 people died in Sandy. That's a lot of loss of life. A few, almost 1,000 died in Katrina. Andrew, I think it was more like 5,000. Uh, that's a much more serious loss of life. I just, I don't want to take away from what happened in New York, but I'm really getting tired of hearing it's the worst storm in 100 years because it's not even in the top 25 storms. Um, you know, I, I just don't get it. If you want to do it dollar-wise, it might be in the top three. But if you want to do it death-wise and property damage, no, it's not even close. Um, I don't know what to do about that. They just need to get it up. Plus, I'm still waiting on money from Isaac, which was... And and see, that's another thing, Don. that bothers me about Sandy is New Orleans just got hit by a Class 1 storm eight weeks before Sandy hit New York. We had to pay a full 15% deductible. They waived a deductible for New York. Is that right? yeah I'm thinking and actually it's going to turn into a class action lawsuit because uh, now they're saying favoritism Barack Obama was doing it to get points for the election so they're going to sue over it uh, one company sued, they actually filed a suit against the president himself You say, wait a minute you know come on y'all didn't do that for Katrina y'all didn't do that for any storm that's hit New Orleans in the last 10 years or uh, actually for any storm that I can remember because New York got spanked by a tropical storm y'all going to wave there come on and they didn't think nobody in the south was going to get upset about that
0: <laughs> well this is uh, <clears throat> you know this is one of the worst storms that hit that has hit the east coast in many many moons so up i up east coast right i, I understand why uh, why they were so you know blown away by that but uh hey you know these things happen You know what the man says. uh, Shit happens.
1: It does. Shit happens. But you can limit the way the shit happens if you're prepared for it. That's like, see, I live in Metairie. I don't live in in actual downtown New Orleans. I live about five miles from the heart of the city. Here, where I live, if they had kept the guys in the pumping stations, we wouldn't even flood it. Because we've got big 36 foot levees with big pumping stations to pump Mm -hmm. out. We're actually good to about almost a cat four storm where I live. New Orleans is a little bit more susceptible. And by the way, ladies and gentlemen, For the facts of it, it wasn't Katrina that kicked New Orleans' ass. Some freaking stupid contractor left the barge tied up in one of the the canals that run out to Lake Pontchartrain, which is a big-ass lake that we have here. And the lake was filling. that we were getting spills over the levees because it was up around 38 feet, somewhere around there. So we were getting like a one or two-foot tidal coming over the levees, but that's stuff that the pumps can handle. What happened was there was two separate events. The barge hit the levee and caused a little bitty crack on the top of nothing big, but since the water was rolling over, it started to erode it. Within, they said, within about three hours, the barge had gone through the levee and was out into the neighborhood. And now the water from Lake Pontchartrain, which is a shallow lake that was getting a lot of golf water pushed into it, started to flood the city. Well, at the same time, there was a 30 foot, 6 foot surge coming in from the Gulf of Mexico, it headed up through the Big East Pass, into what we made a direct link called Mr. Go for the big ships to run from the river to the Gulf without having to travel the river all the way down. Well, unfortunately, that allowed for a 36-foot wave to shoot straight through into St. Benoit Parish, which, of course, only had an 8-foot levee, and, of course, the water just said, Hello! In fact. So it got hit from two sides. But get this, those two waters never met because the two levees in between actually held. <laughs> like, what does that's, that's the good thing. That's the good thing. It, it, was, it, was, it was one of those things, but, you know, it was a lot of bad. Taught me on some serious lessons. I'm not going to lie. There's a lot of heartache, and there was a lot of lessons learned from this storm. Uh, but it's not the worst storm we've ever had either. I mean, it was bad, but it's not the worst one. And we learned a lot of things like don't send the pumping station people away. Build in places they can stay and live even through a Cat 5 storm. That's <laughs> what we did now, by the way. See, that's the point. That's the point I've been trying to make to everybody, Don. I want them to, you know, take it for what it was. Don't cry over it. Don't whine over it. Know you got your ass kicked. Now get prepared for the next one. one, 'cause you're going
0: to get the next one. Well, I learned I learned my lesson back in uh, 1994. We were in Sunland, California, when the Northridge quake hit. Too funny. <clears throat> Let me tell you what: 4:30 uh, in the morning, it literally threw Vicky and I out of bed. Our two dogs at the time just about had nervous breakdowns. Uh, we went a week with no power, no lights, no nothing, no phones. Uh, I learned my lesson. I immediately ended up buying a generator, a store of uh, uh, survival rations—you know, uh, enough to get you through a week or so if you had to uh, store some water. It's it's those little things that uh, you got to think ahead. And you do. You got to think ahead. And see, I warned everybody
1: ahead of time because everybody got so mad about what happened at Katrina, about, oh, Bush took too long. No. Even with the storm that just happened in in New York, it takes three days minimum. You have to assess the damage the first day. You have to get the order the people to start moving, and then on the third day, they start moving in when they can, and you've got to be cleaning up while you're doing it. People just think you can just walk in and start rescuing people and doing stuff. It doesn't work like that. That's why I've always had the same clue. If you're stupid enough to stay behind, mm -mm, don't expect to get rescued. Because it always amazes me how many people want someone else to risk their life because they were dumbasses. (laughs) Yeah. well I'm honest about it because I've stayed for many storms that I shouldn't have I'm not going to lie about it I've worked many storms Uh, you know I've put my ass on the line a few times with Katrina for some reason we were gambling that night too by the way Don I was sitting there watching the storm I was in Mississippi uh, staying at a hotel uh, gambling at the Grand which by the way doesn't exist anymore Katrina wiped it out set it on top of the hotel we were staying at by the way Um, wiped the whole hotel out so I just for some reason, about 2 o'clock that morning, I grabbed my wife and said, you know what? Call the family. We're evacuating. And she, and of course, my whole family was stunned because I've never left for any storm. They are like, huh? <laughs> they were all waiting for me in Mississippi, headed to Florida. They, they couldn't believe I was going to evacuate. They were just, and my daughter, who was going to be her headed said, oh, no, 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 no. So finally, my wife chewed her ass and she left. She had 12 foot water in her house. My other daughter had four foot water in her house and the roof collapsed. Whoa. And... um. You know, it was it was a nightmare is what it was, but, but my place, by the way, only got six inches of water in it. We came in, cleaned the baseboards, stripped the carpet out, contractors, bleached everything out, moved back in, went to work. We were the first office building up and running, first apartment complex up and running, first live broadcast was from us.
0: Well, i tell you, you know, everybody thinks of California as earthquake country, and it
1: is. It is, but there's other problems out there.
0: Usually. Uh, you know, when we get a, a series of quakes, they're usually fairly small, but the big thing that most people forget about that we are prone to are fires. And let me tell you what, in October of 2008, I was, uh, sound asleep in bed. Vicky and I were both crashed out and all of a sudden, we heard these choppers. Now, you know, in my half-awake state, I'm thinking, what the hell, choppers? What the hell's going on? And then the cops came through. This is a mandatory evacuation. And there was a wildfire coming over the hill toward us that got as close as maybe 60 feet to our house. And for three days, when we, we bugged out, and for three days, we didn't even know if we had a house. Yeah, that part was. Really that, that, that is some, that is some spooky stuff, Al.
1: Yeah, that, 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 that's one of the suckiest parts, not knowing when you come home if you got anything. I, I, see, I learned a little trick, and I don't know if this would have worked for y'all or not, but, um, for us, I had a, a, a base landline through Bell South. Uh, not one of those cable internets or actual physical hard line. And I know that it's about nine inches off the floor. So i noticed as long as my phone was ringing, the house was okay and there was no water in it. And it was about, because it's got its own separate power source. It's got a six-fold power source that comes in through the phone line. Most people don't even know that. And um, so it rang, it rang, it rang. Ran, and then the day after Katrina passed and everything was over, it quit ringing i was like son of a bitch that water didn't cut in my house uh, but actually what it was is it uh a tree had knocked down the box uh, right down the street from the house uh, we got home it, we, we were just really lucky i mean we really were we went back to carpets and all we were just really 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 lucky and uh both houses on both sides of me got about two and a half foot of water in them uh it just ours just happened to been built in on a hump it just you know it was just a luck of the draw is what it was and um, it was just one of those things. But we we were in Florida when all it happened. We brought generators back. We picked up uh, six fifty five gallon drums of gasoline coming back, and we came back to work. <laughs> you know, we're contractors. It, it was a disaster for everybody else. Well, we're contractors. You know, for us it was, it was good business. It just it's a it's a bitch to make your money off of someone else's uh, um problems. It just is. I hate that. Uh, there should be a better way to, to make your finances and right now I'm working off of Isaac by the way we'll be doing Isaac work well until February or May really? yeah, until we're caught up and see we're not even getting any talk about it they're not even talking about what happened in New Orleans and Mississippi from Isaac you're just hearing about Sandy up there uh, which hell they, at least they're going to get power faster than we did it was 8 weeks before everybody had all the power on down here and it was about the same amount of people lost power uh, in both areas so I was kind of like, mm-hmm. what can you do? Got more mouths in New York is what it is. Bigger, bigger area. More voices to scream at. More politicians up there, too. So, yeah. It's all in electoral votes up there.
0: Mm-hmm. They they love their politicians. So. Oh,
1: God, they do. Have you seen that idiot they got for mayor? I- I'm going to do a whole show on him in the future.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I, I really am. I, I was talking with my co-host because she lives in uh, New York. Actually, like I said, we've got a lot of listeners in New York. We've got a lot of friends in New York, which they give me hell because they're all mad at me because they keep talking about Sandy like, you are nothing. Fuck. I'm like, for everybody who took real damage, I feel for you. I understand. If everybody who's whining about not having gas or water or lights, fuck up. That's all I can tell you. Uh but it's not that bad. Trust me. They will get your gas and they will get your water and everything will be back to normal in a few weeks.
0: Well, nobody's dropping mortar rounds on them, so that's good.
1: Yeah. It's just you've got to be patient in this kind of stuff. You just have to be. But anyway, how the hell do we get on this subject? Let's get away from this thing. Um, I wanted to ask you something now. I know you've interviewed a lot of people over the years. And um, you don't have to give a name, but worst, worst interview. I mean, I've had a few where it's been like, um. well, tell me about your encounter. Yes, an alien picked me up. I'm like, okay, well, tell me about it. Yes, an alien picked me up. <laughs> I just well, I... I, slap them.
0: I had a... Uh, and to be honest with you, I don't remember today who it was, but it was back in the early 90s. And this lady had written a book about... Uh, uh, the ancient Hebrews and uh, the fact that, you know, the Ark of the Covenant was, and I, I hope I'm remembering this correctly, was actually a uh, receiver transmitter and some other things. Anyway, it was an interesting step. So I, I i got a hold of this person and said, you know, I'd like to like to interview you. Oh, okay, sure. So, you know, are going to sell some books, right? And, uh it was, at the time, it was, a, the show that I was doing had just gone from one to a two hour show. So I get her on there, and we start, you know, talking, and, you know, she's okay, but she made some kind of weird remarks about different things, and uh, I was jotting down notes because these were things that I wanted to, wanted to push her on a little bit. And we got down to the first hour, and uh, I said, well, you know, the second hour we're going to uh, open the phone lines and, uh, uh, have the audience call in because they, they may have questions for you, uh, that they, you know, like to ask you. And boop, that was it. She was out of there. <laughs> oh no, I don't, I don't take phone calls. <laughs>
1: Oh, wow, that, that's my favorite part of any show is phone calls. It's just like when I have guests, on, I mean, you and other guests, when we get to talking, a lot of times, it, we, because of the conversation, we don't end up taking any calls. Because I hate to interrupt, uh, I, I'll be honest, I really hate to interrupt the flow of an interview uh, with outside questions unless, you know, just uh, good questions or, you know, it's, it's been kind of a slow interview for me. Because every now and then I do get bored, I'm like, yeah, okay, and then every now and then, I had a guy on a couple months back. I I definitely considered it a hostile interview. Can't even remember his name now, but he was just... he 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 come on, and he sent me this letter. He said, I want to come on the show, and he, he was a Bigfoot researcher, and he did alien stuff. Well, when he came on the show, I was kind of curious about the Bigfoot stuff, so at the beginning of the show, I asked him about Bigfoot. Oh, my God, you'd have thought I took his first child from the man. I am not kidding you. I mean, he was just pissed, so... I asked him about that and then I asked him something about you I was, well look we can only do one or the other in this interview and I'm <laughs> like I'm like wait what so you know caught me for a loop so I kind of played around with him for the first hour when I came back second hour I just ripped him a new ass I'd had enough of it I was like look dude I said you wanted to come on my show I said you're not doing me a favor here I'm doing you a damn favor I said either let's talk and then we just went on and then after that after I jumped his ass he calmed down and started doing an interview <laughs> we can only talk about one or the other. I don't do both. <laughs> yeah, I, I was just man. I just never mind. Oh yeah, I mean, usually when I get a guest on, I can't shut them up. Uh, I, I'm not kidding. You, I'm not going to mention any names because I get in trouble for this. But there's at least two dozen new followers. So I'm not kidding. You, I will ask them a question. I will get up, make me a sandwich, make me a code talk to the wife, pet the dogs, maybe answer an IM or two, and come back and they're still la la la. la, la. And because I know the guest. I know what they're saying, so I don't really want to hear it anyway, because I already know what the damn answer is when I ask the question. i tell you, though, Travis Walton was on. And we're doing an interview. You know, poor Travis has been asked the same questions. I don't know. Oh, that's who it was, David uh, Politis, whatever his name was. That's who it was. I think New York really just posted it in there. But um, it was. was, He was just a goofball. Well...
0: I I I interviewed uh, David Pelies and uh, it was a damn good show. So you never know. That's what I'm saying. You never know.
1: You just never know. It's uh, he was just he got all flustered because I asked him about both, and I've just never get anything anybody get that flustered over me and I ask you two separate questions
0: before. I interviewed, I interviewed him on his book, Missing 411.
1: Yeah. Well, you see, that's what happened. Um, it was the Missing 411 and for some reason he was it was like he was trying not to bridge the i guess he thought if we brought up bigfoot and the missing 411 it would be the bigfoot that was taking uh, i guess that's what he thought i'm not even sure what he thought to be honest with, it, with you uh is he just went off on a tantrum and i just i just thought it was fun and then he wasn't a guy and like i said the second hour he did a good interview he calmed down and relaxed. I just he was just he was antsy from when I first called him and I really don't even know if it was all of us. It might have been something else going on. You know how it is sometimes when you get on the air. You know, you may be having a conversation with somebody and then all of a sudden it's time to do a show, you gotta go do it. And uh he might have been mad or angry with someone else. I really don't know, but the second hour of the interview was it's still it's still available. I mean I never took it down. But um the first hour is just kind of funny. If you ever get a chance, to listen to it. You'll laugh your ass off. <laughs> You'll be like, "Oh, oh man!" <laughs> but I, I do. I get. I get from time to time. I get, and then, like I said, I get those ones. that are like, "Well, hey Don, uh, you got your new book out, and why don't you tell me a little bit about your book?" Well, the title is UFOs and Extraterrestrials, and buy the book. Okay. Well, <laughs> tell me some more. Well, I don't want to spoil. What the hell we're going to do for the next hour and fifty minutes, right? <laughs> Oh, that shit floors me. And I know you've been doing radio for a long time. I got, so, um see, 10 to 12, right?
0: Yeah. Yep. Monday through Friday? Yep, Monday through Friday, 10 p.m. Pacific. So I actually, if you're back on the East Coast, it's Tuesday through Saturday, which, you know, blows some people's minds because of uh, a three-hour difference. So. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, because of the three-hour time difference. Let's see, so 10-year time is
1: 8 my time, huh? Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's yeah, t- I, I'm central time so mostly, yeah, it's 8 my time if it's 10 your time right okay damn I wish you was on later <laughs> uh, but guess for you it'd be oh lord I didn't think about that 10, ten to 12 yeah that is that's like 3 a.m. East Coast <laughs> yeah I want to hold that's you know when you do interviews in Australia that's how it is I was okay, in, a, lot,
0: a lot of a lot of my audience download the, uh, the shows because Cyber Station USA is like really They're hot. They get them up there right away. They're up in the archives almost uh, immediately. Yeah, that's how we do it.
1: It'll uh, actually be up 10 minutes after the show's over tonight. Um, Some unedited, uh, the whole nine yards. They go up just like they are in raw form. Within 10 minutes of the show, they're actually posted and ready for listeners. And uh, on plays, you'll usually see on our first week, Seven 800 to 1,000 plays. This show will probably do 200, 250,000 downloads its first week. And then you'll probably see it taper down to twenty or 25,000 downloads. And then it will slow down to about five or six a week after that. Uh, we get a lot of traffic. A lot of traffic. GoDaddy gives me a lot of bandwidth, and we blow our bandwidth from time to time. Last month, we blew our bandwidth by 500 gigs. Uh, and, you know, they charge you for that shit. <laughs> I was like, excuse me, you could have told me something, you know, you sent me a letter or something hey, Joe, you're going over your bandwidth, would you like to, uh..." because the way they do it, Don, is if you go over, it costs you three times as much as if you buy it ahead of time. Yeah. And which I tell them all the time, you know, because there's supposed to be a warning system that sends me an email that lets me know. And then they want to charge you. I'm like, no, you're not, because you didn't send me the email. And then they'll go, look, oh, we did. And I'm like, so no, you're going to have to charge me the regular rate. Okay, so I will be up in less than an hour. Thank you. <laughs> it's uh, but they don't argue with me Because I mean, we send them a lot of business. We we have uh, I, I own fifty different domain names with them, eight different websites over there. Then we've got seven or eight websites with Homestead. We've got stuff with Canica. We've got archives on. We've actually got archives on now more than seventy different archive servers across the uh, internet. With, of course, iTunes being the biggest, and GoDaddy's probably the second biggest. For us, GoDaddy's the biggest, and iTunes is the second business. Uh, last month on iTunes, we did 785,000
0: downloads. Uh, not bad for iTunes. DMR is up on iTunes. Incidental.
1: Oh, is it? Oh, cool. Check it out. Well, I was going to ask you, but I won't ask you on air. Wait till we get off. But um, I wanted to talk to you about a couple of those things. And I'm actually, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to be joining another host on another radio show in a few minutes. I will pop the link in the room and I will put it, I will put the live broadcast into the radio station and the virtual auditorium in a few minutes. Uh, there's a lady on Broad Talk who's got a nice show with a pretty big audience. She's been asking me to come on. And I told her when Don and I were done, I would give her a call. And I in with them. And you know what? Let me see if i got the name up in front of me and I'll tell you what it is called let's see. I just had it a minute ago. Let's see. It's something ET. I think it's TJ Morris. Okay. TJ Morris ET Radio. There you go. You can catch it over on Blog Talk and i'll be over in a few minutes probably about 15 20 minutes and i will put it in and we'll log it into the station until then you will be listening to kevin smith when don and i leave out of here in a few minutes uh kevin's been with me for a while now he's uh he's all over the place these days yeah that's her well that's her and i'm gonna pop on with her for about the last hour and a half of her show and i'll hang out and just chit chat stuff like that you know nothing formal at least i don't think formal now, Don, tell everybody what you can find, you know, because I know we're getting short on time, Well, we're actually over, but that's okay. I well, Dark, place.
0: Dark, Dark Matters Radio, uh, once again, airs Monday through Friday nights, 10 p.m. Pacific Standard Time until midnight. And yes. the, the, uh, the show is carried by Cyber Station USA. And uh, to hear the show live, you go to www.dqr M.com. oh I think I got the wrong link up. I'm going to have to go change that Okay, dqrm.com and uh, there it is uh, you'll hear my dulcet tones
1: let me uh, Well, I'm just writing this sentence so I don't forget this link so I want to make sure it's linked to the right place I think I had it linked to your old site so I'm not sure but I'll, anyway when we get done tonight I'll go check it and make sure it's linked to the right one because this will stay up what I did is I used to put y'all up a week ahead of time so people could come by and be, I oh, quit doing that because I learned something. You get, yeah, you'll get X amount of traffic from us if we put you up a week early, but I noticed that if we put the archive up, put the link in the archive, that we drive way more traffic to the, the guests than we did before. So now, it's all up for the full weeks. So anybody coming and seeing can go check it out and go visit and go to the archive and visit because it's linked right off the site.
0: Well, actually, Joe, what I should do is should send you a link excuse me to my radio archives actually
1: you should why 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 don't you do a twofold thing well I, I thought i had a banner for you at one time on the site now the site is huge and out of control so i'll have to go look to be honest with you but at one time we did have you on uh on the thing but uh we must have been carrying archives or something at one time god only demand i get so much shit i forget some of it uh but at one time we did have you so why don't you send me over a banner and a link and then send me a separate link for the archives and I'll put them both together and we'll put them up on the site somewhere. Because uh, actually they're in the middle of rebuilding that nightmare site. Lord have mercy.
0: Yeah, okay, sure.
1: The thing has, the thing has gotten enormously out of control. I mean, it just shows they're all over the place. And uh, it's, it's the way it's done. It's, it's, it's fun to look through, but it's kind of exhausting because all of it's starting to run together now. Uh, you got to work to find anything, which I don't like doing. So I'm going to put little pretty pictures with everybody and change it all around. I know they're working on it. I just don't know what it's looked like it looks like yet. I haven't seen the uh, rough draft of the new site yet, but I'm waiting to see that. And ladies and gentlemen, as soon as it's available, I will post it for you. I, I know when we put it everybody loved it. And by the way, speaking of that, Me and GoDaddy got into a nightmarish argument about why they can't unlock the site. It was done in Linux, and they've been wanting to edit and update the site, remove some old directors, put some new ones on, change them, add some new information. And somehow or another, they have not figured out how to unlock their own sites, I mean, their own equipment. I have no idea what that's about. I mean, they are giving me free stuff for it, but still. And uh, I need to update that. So anybody else? Well, before anybody asks about the updates, I wanted to say that Don, I had a blast with you tonight. Man, I wish we got to talk more. Sorry about that little glitch we had earlier. Hey, well, you know, uh, there's always tomorrow. Yes, and I uh, I will probably get hold of my co host Stephanie Bonetti, which I see is in our virtual tournament. Get her of, uh, get in touch with to get you on news on the flip side with us, and uh, we have a little bit more freedom over there to broach some other subjects which we touched on tonight, but did not want to get into because I don't want to get a bunch of hate mail <laughs> and uh it's not hate mail it's more like Joe please you know we know you hate him talk about something else <laughs> well you know I was kind of hard on the on the um the president I was kind of hard on the be president too I gotta be fair about this not way to talk about Petraeus and what's his name oh by the way how did that show go last night we've got a couple of seconds we can kill
0: well uh, I, I had a uh, uh a buddy of mine on who's a former counterintelligence specialist with the fbi <clears throat> and also a former air force uh, office of special investigative agent on and basically we were talking about the y force the Force. And, uh, military, you know, the way the military looks at things like adultery and, uh, what might have been behind this, uh, you know, uh, between you and I, I think, uh, I'll just be real blunt about it. I think Petraeus was probably horny. Let's face it, you know, the, the gal, uh, is Isn't not really, not a bad looking gal. However, Joe, if you look closely, at a picture of her eyes, that woman has crazy eyes.
1: <laughs> See, that should be the first warning sign, especially to a damn general. A four-star <laughs> general, no less. You don't, you know, you, you don't get four stars because you're a complete idiot. I Well, maybe don't. you do in, in, in the new Obama military, but before you didn't. I can testify <laughs> with crazy eyes, so, you know. <laughs> I, uh, I, they're, they're, you know, and y'all women with crazy eyes, please don't lie to me, okay, because really when you got crazy eyes, you're usually kind of crazy <laughs> you, <don't laughs> I've know that. Been, you know I there, done that so to the person who s- sent me that thing about it, i'm a wise ass yes my ass is wiser than most of the sheeples in our country i will agree with that <laughs> let's move on it's uh it, it's a shame but I, lately i'm beginning to wonder if, if anybody in this country is awake I'm, I'm just like what even on the ufo stuff it seems to be. I guess because there's been so much of bad economy and so much other stuff going on and so much dividing in the country about the, the president that a lot of the UFO stuff is really, really, uh, um, getting shoved to the side. Uh, it's, it's, all this other stuff is so dramatic and, and then all this crap in the news all the time from Benghazi to everything else. And it's amazing to me, none of this, it's amazing that the FBI waited and, and Petraeus waited with this until after the election. Well, of course they did. I mean, I really think I really think that the the Republicans should go unglued over this and ask for a new election because of this. Because uh, really, this would have this would have definitely tilted the election. And yes. since it was so close to start off with, I think it would have tilted it in his favor. We're almost
0: done, and I'm not going political, but just yeah. about so we know more about Petraeus and this lady than we know anything about benghazi which was what uh two months ago or infurious which is two years ago yep so were they covering up you're damn
1: right they were oh i i think i think petraeus is a a complete distraction for benghazi but you're right we're we're gonna get there i will get you on with the other show and we will get into this a little bit more and uh see what's going on with all this. i'd love to talk more with you about it um Maybe I'll bring in, you know, a hand on. This might be fun. I, I, every now and then I would bring on, it would be me and Kevin Smith and Jerry Pittman. Well, Kevin and I's ideology on politics is not that far apart. And there's some differences, but they're not that. Jerry, Smith, Jerry Pittman, on the other hand, is, is very, very, very liberal and it made I gotta say it made for damn good radio it really did and, uh, and the night I got Stephen Bessett and Richard Dolan to debate each other on exo on, uh, exopolitics and disclosure that was a hell of a good show that is the first time in my whole 14, 13 years of doing radio I actually said six words that whole interview I am not kidding. And you know what? We've got to go to the break. Welcome back, everyone. <laughs> that, was, that was all I got to say. Uh, it was like, But it was a good interview. It's up on YouTube somewhere, too. I, I've noticed that people have gone to post in our interviews on YouTube. Now, which, guys, y'all can go ahead. you got my permission. And, until we start doing paid archives, y'all are welcome to put on you everyone. It's just more exposure for us. But, Don, you were great again tonight. I had a blast, man. It was a lot, a lot of fun. I know we ran over a little bit, but we're just making up for lost time. Uh, hopefully, I'll get to talk to you again soon. Let's not make it so far apart these days. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, any more parting words before we get out of here? Uh, just, it's been great. Good two hours, Joe. Thank you. Yeah, I blew by. I love when shows go by fast like that. Ladies I hope everybody enjoyed the show tonight. The archive will be up in 10 to 15 minutes. You will be able to check it out in its entirety. Until next week, people, look, do me a favor. Have some fun. Just, just, i tell you what, just smile, okay? I promise you, if you smile, your face will not crack. I'm telling you. <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs>